Hello, welcome to the Grace Rancho weekly podcast, where our goal is to help you, our church members, better understand the what and the why behind pretty much everything that we do as a church. I'm Michael. I'm here with Pastor Eric. Hello. The man himself. Hello. Hi. How's it going, Michael? It's going great. Rainy, it's raining. Yep. Rainy day. It's raining pretty it's good a perfect outside, day for actually. a podcast. It's a good day for a podcast. Well, we got some questions coming in that we're going to answer. Yeah. Um, we're Pre- gonna, pretty much pretty much this podcast, uh, we're going to answer some questions. Probably one, one big question. One big question and with several little ones in there. Yeah, this Sunday is a pretty normal service, and we've got communion and whatnot going on. So Michael gonna, will be leading uh, the service this Sunday. I am. I'm leading the service this you Sunday. You looking forward to that? I am. I enjoy it. Good. Not, not leading music. Hans is leading music. I'm, I'm doing the other leading stuff. Leading through the, the readings and the prayers and whatnot. Yeah, be good. But here's here's kind of a two-part-ish question that we got. What do we do dealing with space issues? Like outer space? Uh, like maybe the sanctuary doesn't have enough room or, or oh. we foresee it at some point not having enough room because right now it's decently full. And what do we do when we run out of space? What do we do with kids' classes if there's not enough space in there, um, et cetera? So let's, let's tackle that part, and I think that's going to lead us to answer another part of this question pretty soon. So what's the question? The question is, how do we deal with space issues? Okay. And we're not talking Jupiter, Neptune, outer space. Not cosmic space issues. Okay. So space in the sanctuary. Church of Rancho Cucamonga, (laughs) the 5,000 square feet we have, how are we going to utilize them as our church grows? Um, that's a good question because it seems that the Lord has been bringing people here and we are, if the pace or the trajectory that we're on continues, how long until we fill up all the chairs? I mean, we're getting, right? Yeah. Yeah. So right now we have a fair amount of chairs out there. We've got like 160, 170 chairs. We're operating like not even quite at 80% yet, but that room starts to feel pretty full easily because of because we've kind of got the chairs almost completely maxed out what we can fit there. Mm-hmm. We can probably fit almost 200 people if every chair is filled at some point. And we yeah, rearrange and, and we and we bit. get everything out there. We can probably fit about 200 people in that sanctuary um and but you can tell when you're in there that it feels pretty full on a Sunday. Yeah, cuz we have around what 120, 130 in probably, there. Probably about 130 and if new people come and everyone's here more. Yeah. Yeah. What's our biggest that we had in the sanctuary? Oh, I don't remember. I, uh, 135 maybe. Okay. So if we can fit like 160, maybe get up to 180, 200. Um, yeah. If we add another 40 people, I mean, it, it it's, you know, take a matter of months, but we want to be ahead of that. Uh, perhaps years to get to that point. But at the same time, we want to start preparing now for that. And also we know if there's, there gets to a point where if it's, you know, 10 chairs available, it becomes really hard yep. to actually find a place to sit. Um, okay. So as, it is a good question because we do need to think about it. It's obviously not what we live for. It's not what we die for. Like when we're doing church ministry, we're not like our heartbeat isn't 
building. We, we don't we don't sit and think about the chairs and the walls chairs, very often. Yeah. Logistics. <laughs> we're we're trying to think people most of the time. Um, but to care for people, we we do want to provide adequate space. Um, and so first, my my exhortation. I think we've already been saying this, but just to talk to our members and say, hey, let's do everything we can to make space. Yeah. Um, let's sit close. Let's sit up front. Show um, up early. Show up early. Make sure that we are, um, we're, we're the ones committing to sacrifice, uh, for the sake of, uh, maybe our elderly members, uh, maybe our, our visitors, uh, or new believers coming in. Um, if we are mature, uh, members of the church, we're, we want to be the first ones to, to give up our comfort so that, but then we start thinking about some other things. Like, do we do we do two a, services? A note on that is the most helpful thing you can do is sit farther up in the main middle section of chairs and towards the center aisle. If you do that, you create tons of space for other people. And if you sit next to people, instead of sitting one chair apart, you create space for other people because you end up with all these gaps of five chairs and four chairs and 10 chairs and three chairs yeah. that could be a family sitting there. Do you think we're going to get annoying if we keep talking about this? I hope not, but you know, once you say something 10 times, everybody starts to hear it. That's right. And our goal behind it is not to pester, but to try to help everyone see how we can be hospitable, not just to the members around us, but to anybody new that's showing up or to someone who for some reason has to arrive late. If this is the second or third or fourth time you've heard this, just take it in stride. Do what we're saying. We're not, <laughs> thinking, right along. we're not thinking of anybody in particular. It's a very general <laughs> statement. That's true. And that's the truth. Uh, we all, yeah, all need to do it. Um, but then we start getting into more complex issues. Mm -hmm. uh, because how many we can fit in the building determines how many people can attend, right? If we have a building that can only fit X, only X amount are going to be able to be there. Uh, but then if we start wanting to expand, um, we get into costs of... Uh, building, either building or tearing down walls or renovating the building to make it different. Uh, so there's those issues. But then again, if you only have a certain number of people who can attend, you only have a certain amount of money in the budget. Um, and so if you only have a certain amount of money in the budget, you might not be able to do certain building projects that would enable you to fit more people. Sure. So it's kind of complex things. Um, and, and so we hear it probably a lot these days. Are you hearing that a lot? Like, Hey, when are we going to go to two services? You know? Yeah. I, I haven't gotten that specific question too often. I've gotten the question, what's the plan when this place really fills up, you know, because it feels full. If you sit there and you're, and you're not up on stage, you don't see the gaps. It feels really full in there. There's, there's definitely a sense of fullness. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to say that again, full fullness. Um, in that regard, and so it's felt that way. And some people have said, why aren't you just going to two services? You'd have more space in the sanctuary. People would be more comfortable and they'd enjoy church more maybe. Okay. Raise your hand if you were in a church that had two services before Grace Rancho. I wonder how many people are raising their hand. <laughs> Eric almost didn't raise his hand. That would have been a lie. I was asking the question. I didn't feel the need. There's, uh, pretty much, I think, most churches... It's pretty common. You get yeah, totally. you get to the point where it's mildly and uh, full any church and you that doesn't go that, to two services. That isn't really small. Um, 
then yeah. So, okay. So we're, we're getting that question a little bit and, and so we want to address it. What, what do we think about growth in general? Is, is this what we're aiming for? Is that the measure of success? And if the main thing we're trying to do is just get as many people in here, why not just do two services? We could fit more, we could reach more people. We could be more evangelistic. Um, and so we just have a few thoughts on that, uh, that I think, um, if we let biblical principles guide how we, we do things, um, we're going to operate by principles. Uh, we're not just going to operate by pragmatics. We're going to go by principles. So what are our principles? Well, first I want to say this, you and I both come from faithful, healthy churches that have more than one service. Amen. So we're not going to say that they're in sin. <laughs> we're not going to say that they are um, unrighteous or disobedient for having more than one service. We're not saying that at all. No, but, but we do have a certain conviction about this. A certain conviction about this, driven again by what's wise and prudent, not necessarily what's right versus what's wrong. So we're going to say this yep. is, we have some, some convictions that, that cause us to think that one service is the best way for mm -hmm. us to do church. And we will do all we can to continue doing one service. Here's, here's one of the reasons. When, when you're going through a membership class, raise your hand if you've been through membership class. This is not a good raising your hand atmosphere. Uh, I see that hand. <laughs> um, all you guys who have been in membership class, we have given you clear expectations, hopefully. You've mm -hmm. read through affirmations of commitment. And one of the things we've tried to emphasize again and again is that we want our people to really take responsibility for one another. Mm -hmm. And so you, a young man, um, are taking responsibility for um, uh, people who are not just the same as you in the same demographic with the same interests that you're taking responsibility to care for people, your grandparents age, people who are different than you. That's so good for you. It is. It, you, you and I need that kind of help. Actually, every church member needs the love and care of people who are different from them. And so uh, what we emphasize is members be in one another's lives, all of you, like try to get to know each other. And that will be harder and harder the bigger we get, but let's be up for the challenge. Let's try to know each other as best we can. Let's certainly be praying for each other if we can. And so we're saying as, uh, as church family, we're taking responsibility for one another. Now, what if we institutionalize our, um, our church in such a way that the membership doesn't all gather at the same time. You've created disunity and a, cer you, and a certain element of disunity. Not necessarily like relational strife disunity, but disunity in the sense that I'm just, I don't know them yeah. very well. Yeah. I, I can't know them if they regularly gather in the first hour and I regularly gather in the second hour. And, and there's no way to make it easy because you could say, okay, well, I'm going to go to first hour. Well, then you're probably missing out on half the church. Half the people that you've committed to aren't there. How are you going to meet their needs? How are you going to get to know them? You could pursue them in other ways, but we think the, the New Testament holds up like we're a regularly gathering people. That's what a church is. And so we want to uh, make sure we're, we're not 
putting up a wall by the way we're organizing our church where certain members attend certain hours and certain members attend other hours and never do the two meet. Um, I, I wouldn't want to institutionalize any disunity. Uh, play that out long enough and you begin to really have what feels like two different churches. Um, yeah, it, it's true. You'll, um, you'll have people that show up early and leave right after first service and people who show up a little bit late for second service, but hang out for a while. And those two people will never see each other mm-hmm. though. They're trying to fellowship with the body in different ways. Um, they don't have an opportunity to have the same relationship that they could have if they will see each other with one service. Yeah. And so I'm, <clears throat> there, there's, we, some, we there's something it's the about, best, it's a, it's a better way. It's yeah. just to really fight for the, the oneness factor. I think, I think there's something too about getting to pray with everyone as a, as a corporate body, getting to sing psalms and hymns to one another as a corporate body and getting to hear the word preached just all together. That is unifying. Yeah. I, I like singing with everybody that's there and praying the corporate prayers we have with everyone that's there because we wouldn't have that if we had two services. Yeah, and you can, I, I, you can look around. There's certain people you're not going to sing with. There's certain people you're not going to get to pray with in that one corporate setting. So I think that's a, a unique thing about, about one service is yeah. you get to do all that stuff completely together. That's right. I agree. Um, I also think there's a little bit of a false dichotomy where we think that if we're going to be evangelistic, um, we have to move to two services, and and we're we're really being um, we're really hindering the evangelism cause of the church by sticking to one service. So it's like, hey, what, don't you care about evangelism? Don't you care about visitors coming to your church? Uh, if you did, you'd go to two services, and then. Um, you'd have more space for them, but staying in one service requires that you never make that change and never have any space for new people. But I actually think, um, that, that it, I don't know that it works that way. I think when we're all together and like we said before, with different types of people, different demographics, all being united in one place at one time creates this depth of fellowship where the church really knows one another Mm -hmm. and really is caring for each other. And that creates this compelling type of community. It does. That is, um, I think it's something that people want to see and experience and be a part of. And so that becomes a great witness for the, for the non-believer. The the community of a church that is founded on the gospel and right not mere commonalities mm-hmm. is a huge witness to the non-believer because yeah. you do not it's community that would not otherwise be there except for the gospel we help to create that unity by putting everybody in one spot at one time yeah I, I i also think that in terms of if you think of the service people saying well two services you have a greater evangelistic impact because there's maybe more opportunity for people to hear the gospel that come to your church or more space for them. Mm-hmm. I think we do a better job of caring for the visitors or non-believers that might come to our church when we have one service from a completely practical standpoint because there's more people to find them and greet them and meet them and, and more it, people to introduce them to. It's easier to identify them. 
Completely. Because if you're in a two service church and someone comes that you've never met, you might go up to them and say, Hey, welcome to church. I've never seen you before. And what I go to say? first service. <laughs> yeah, that's happened. I've seen it. It's just harder to get to know people and that, that You way. play that out long enough and it just kind of, you go, man, maybe I shouldn't go meet them because maybe they're, maybe they're already yeah. plugged in and they have all the relationships and it'd yeah. be kind of insulting for me and, to go and, ask them how long they've been coming. And, and not to throw anybody under the bus, right? In that regard. And, and then the last thing, and this is the most theological, the, the other ones are maybe a little more practical, although we, we want to be operating on principles of unity and relationships and things like that. Um, but when you think about the ordinances, baptism. I'm thinking. Okay. And the Lord's Supper or communion. Um, those things are, are only possible um, as a, a church family or they're meant to be done as a church family, in particular, communion. Mm-hmm. First um, Corinthians. First Corinthians 10, 11. Uh, th- this is like the the for me the the kicker this is the one where like the nail is in the coffin i'm like yeah i think this is the best way because if we're going to do communion according to the way that the they did it in the new testament it seems to be um pretty clear that they're doing it all together in in chapter 10 verse 17 talking about communion he says because there is one bread we who are many are one body for we all partake of the one bread so in baptism, this is a good way to think of it. In baptism, the one becomes part of the many. In communion, the many are made one. And there's unity that the Lord's Supper creates. It creates a community around Christ. Um, and so really, when you're taking communion, you're supposed to be looking around and recognizing these are my people. These are the people trusting Christ. This is my family. And then just to like, even further emphasize the case in chapter 11, Paul says um, all kinds of things about communion, but one of the repeated phrases again and again and again, when you come together as a church, when you come together as a church, when you come together as a church, I'm just reading it right here in my Bible, uh, for there must be factions among you. He's correcting him because they're doing it wrong in order that those who are genuine among you might be recognized when you come together. It's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. So they were, they were coming together, but there were factions. Mm. And, um, and because of this division among themselves, Paul basically says, it's not really the Lord's Supper you're taking. It's something else. It's effectively become something different than what it's intended to be, and therefore it's not even communion. Um, his point is when there's division in the body, and you're still trying to do the the ritual of communion, it turns into something other than what God intended, and and so if if so that what's the implication? The implication is the church is meant to take it all together. Yeah, and if if it truly is meant to be something that unifies us, those who are taking it right then, we ought to do it with the whole body. Right. So, like we talk about the four directions you look when you take communion. And you look back at Christ, you look forward to the kingdom, you look within. within. Yeah. And then, and then last though, you're, you're looking around at these people that are your church family. And I think it's really powerful. Um, if that's true, like when you're taking communion, really, you're looking around these people, all of them. It's um, not just you and your bubble of devotion. It's you with the body. And it's not even a bunch of individuals that happen to be doing it at the same time. It's a corporate thing. 
we do this together and in doing it, we're effectively creating uh, the, the unity of the church by the grace of God. God is, God is doing that, I should say, in, in us. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I really do believe that communion is meant for the whole church to do at the same time. It's not to be done in, in factions or in different parties. That's why I would never uh, think it's okay to be done at a, a wedding or a, a small group or at a summer camp or something. I just, uh, that wouldn't be communion because it's a whole church thing. Yep. And it's with the local body you're with. With the local body that you've committed to. Um, so, okay. Well, what if we keep growing then? Like yeah. Well, so we've covered those things. We covered, we covered why we like one service. We've talked about um, kind of some of the complexity of the issue. But when it comes down to it, what are we going to do if more people keep showing up on Sunday? Well, that's when we just first come to our members and say, hey, this is, this is our church. Um, what are we going to do? Let's start praying about it. And so if you're a member of our church and, and you're feeling a little bit of the, um, the, the tension here or the, the, the pull here or, or whatever you're feeling, I don't know what you're feeling. If you're feeling something, uh, first, let me just ask you to be praying for this. Pray for wisdom for what we're going to do. Um, but also see this as a little bit as your responsibility. We as a church got to figure out what we're going to do. Um, then I would just encourage you as we have been, uh, show real tangible sacrificial love. I mean, give up your seat, <laughs> sit where you're not as comfortable. Um, I mean, there might even come points in the future where you stand in the back or stand in the lobby. We're going to have to fix the uh, sound. So it goes into the lobby area so you can hear the sermon from there, but we're going to do whatever we can, um, as members to make sure we're creating visitor space, um, we're being hospitable. Yeah, it's a great way to show totally easy, tangible, sacrificial love. Make space for others. Prefer them, and and making space and and yeah. getting close and getting comfy, cozy, cozy. Um, but then we're also thinking about how are we gonna? Can can we knock down some walls and open yeah. this up? You know, there, yeah. The church, your office is a wing. That's how the church was designed. Uh, the mother's room and the chair closet was originally a wing of the sanctuary. So there's quite a bit of space we have to work with, with just our building. If things do get even tighter, even with classrooms, there's uh, yeah. a classroom. We knocked down a wall by the kitchen. We can add it. And there's flexibility with the square footage we have currently to make everything work. So we got to think about that. And there's costs obviously with that, but the, those are options and we'll prayerfully move in those directions if we need to. Um, and then, you know, you look outside and we see acres of undeveloped land out there that is, is a tremendous blessing, like a gift that we want to steward well, that God has given us a plot on this little globe of his to steward well. And we want to use this for his glory and hopefully even to uh, set up something here that continues to be a witness for Christ years and years and decades into the future. Um, so we would want to prayerfully start thinking about how we can save money and develop this property. I mean, that would be a, a big, huge step, but but I think it would be a monument to the, the goodness and provision of God and an ability to bless many future generations um, with a, a gospel preaching church that can uh, house a lot of uh, members here. Definitely. Bu- buildings don't necessarily mean anything particular, but 
we should pray big prayers, trusting that the Lord can answer them or will provide exactly what we need. Yeah, and if he doesn't provide the funds for that, we're just going to trust him. Yeah, we, and, we, we, we will go as the Lord provides. Yeah, we're, and you know what? If, if we are so full that people are not coming and staying, that doesn't mean we're slowing down on the mission at all. Like we're hopefully, members are still evangelizing their neighbors, praying for coworkers, things like that. Like no one's slowing down. Um, we're going to do everything we can to continue bringing the gospel. Totally. But but it will mean that there may, there may be people who come and maybe they've come and they were a part of a different church before and they they got a whole road of themselves. Well, no, I'm saying like, what if they come and they've already they're already kind of mature in their faith and they just go, ah, well, there's not as much space here, but we're thinking maybe we could make this our home church. But if really the space is an issue for that family, we would love to prayerfully send them to another church nearby sure. that is preaching the gospel and doing really good stuff. And there are some of those churches around that are not so crazy far out of the way um, that it would be un. Uh, likely that they could go there. Definitely. So we wouldn't mind saying, hey, we would love for you to be here. Thanks for being here. But um, there's more space down there and and you know, you're welcome to hang out here if you want. It's just going to be certain challenges if if really space for you is the issue. Yeah. Um, and, and I think as the Lord leads our church and directs it, there's opportunity to church revitalize and church plant. Um, in the future, if we get too big, yeah, right? wouldn't that be great? I would no, lo- no I would, room. I would love it. Let's send some people away. Yeah, that would be, that would be great. Um, we again, we'll we'll move as the Lord provides, as He provides the the finances, and as He provides the people. Um, but yeah, ultimately, let's keep this in mind. the The big goal in church life is not just to grow bigger and bigger and bigger, like just endlessly more and more people you know we get we get 200 and 200 is not enough anymore now we need three now we need four now we're going to try to double we want a thousand now we want two thousand like that's just really i don't i don't i mean the lord could do that and bring that many people here that's that's fine um we'll, we'll just have to trust him with the logistics of all that and uh, to provide shepherds for all those people so it's not wrong to be big Mm-hmm. But the goal isn't just to keep growing big. First of all, we want to be healthy. Church health is way more important than church growth. I'd much rather be a healthy church than a, than a big, big, big church because there are big, big, big churches that are not healthy. Mm-hmm. And there are small churches that are healthy. Let's aim for health, not necessarily just numbers and growth. Um, yeah, and so that's uh, that's how we want to think about it. If we are getting bigger, that's great, but that's not the, the main thing. Let's th- also think about how we advance the mission, um, get the gospel to places where it's not going, uh, make sure that healthy churches are multiplying and flourishing, um, and that will that will mean that's not maybe it will mean um, we give away our best people and lots of money, and we do it not for um, anything other than the rewards we get in heaven. Uh, and I guess in the earthly reward of watching the Lord use another church for his glory. Yeah. Hey, well, that's all we've got for today. I um, want to finish with a quote, though. Okay. Long I always, pause there. I always love this one. Um, 
a old pastor talking to a young pastor. The young pastor is um, concerned about the size of his congregation. It feels too small. And the old pastor says, I know the vanity of your heart and that you will feel mortified that your congregation is very small in comparison with those of your brethren around you. But assure yourself on the word of an old man that when you come to give an account of them to the Lord Christ at his judgment seat, you will think you have had enough. That is a a great line and a reminder for us as pastors and leaders in the church. We're going to give an account for all the people who are members of our church. And that's a giant responsibility to be accountable for one soul is huge to be accountable for many souls to be accountable for thousands and that's what he says don't don't feel afraid if you have a small congregation um, because when you go to stand before god and give an account for those souls this even the smallest congregation you will feel you had enough um, so lord help us shepherd the church well it's a great quote that's all we've got for today And we are looking forward to seeing you this Sunday. See you this Sunday.